Thank you. Sweet. So uh, the past few times I've been preaching, I've been on a series called Daddy God, and it's uh, the things I've been learning about the nature and character of God through becoming a father myself. And uh, what I thought was going to be a, a brief, maybe one night, has continued to overlap. And so I've uh, really loved uh, the teachings and the things that God's been revealing to me. Hopefully they're fun and enjoyable for you. But if you uh, missed some of our past messages, uh, they're all online. And so I'm going to kind of pick up where we left off. And so uh, the, the whole premise is that you can know God as a savior, know God as a creator, but to know God as daddy, as a daddy God, which is relationship, is a wildly different context of relationship that we need to understand. And so some of the things about his nature within being daddy as, a, as apart from being father are, are um, that the daddy God is always in a good mood and just surprised how many times my imagination about God has not been in a good mood, it's been in a critical mood. Also, that the deepest longing for Daddy God is not proximity, not to just be in your life, but to actually be intimate with you, to actually be with you, to be included with you. Also, learn that, that a Daddy God establishes boundaries for you, and that he establishes boundaries for protection, and when we step out of those boundaries, we get some earthly consequences, and that's uh, sometimes called discipline, and it's been helpful for me. I've also learned that Daddy God is not one that holds on to mistakes and failures. That the moment that we bounce back, he's ready to go right back to where he was at, having fun. Probably my favorite one so far was that Daddy God delights in giving. And that God is most like God when he's giving. And, and so I just, I love the, the father's heart, the daddy heart to give to his children. And last week was a little bit tougher one because it's, it's that Daddy God loves you so much that he made you so powerful with your choices that he's going to let you have your own choices. Whether for good or for bad, whether for life or death, whether for building up or destruction, that Daddy God has made you powerful to make your life have a difference in this world. And so he's going to let you have control of your own future, your destiny, to bring salvation, to bring destruction. And so tonight, um, this might be the last one, but it is it's this if you're keeping track of these. It's that Daddy God is patient with your growth. Daddy God is patient. The operative word there is patient. Love is patient, right? I don't know about you, but I always felt like God kind of had like his like foot tapping on the ground, like, all right, you know, come on, let's get this going. And the meaning behind this is that depth and expansion of your relationship develops as you are ready. So much pressure is upon believers and followers of Jesus to like kind of get the show on the road and like we, we have like this almost Christian treadmill, right? We want to like keep on improving and like, you know, we, we gauge our faith based on how good we were last year, last season, last era, right? And we set these intangible benchmarks about where we stand with God. You know where that's in the Bible? Nowhere. It's nowhere. And there's a reason is because the patience of God with your growth partners with you as you grow. James 4.8, it's my main passage for tonight. Usually I, like, I have like a trillion scriptures. I get one tonight, mostly just one tonight. It says, James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And these teachings are based from my experiences with um, what has been revealed to me as a father of, of our toddler, we have a little boy, six months old, Maverick, 
And, um, uh, but most of these teachings are, are from me coming into right relationship with a, a little girl who's two, who's just like this firecracker, and she's teaching me all these things of, that are coming to life in my heart. And I'm having the most fun right now as a father than I ever would have imagined. Like, by far, this is, like, way better. I, like, I anticipated fatherhood to be kind of fun and kind of good. I didn't expect it to be this good. And so right now, I'm having the most fun. And I have a little uh, picture of some of the ways I'm spending my afternoons. And uh, maybe we can throw it up there. Well, <laughs> other one, actually. That one's a little early. There we go. This is about one of 40 belly flops in about an hour. This is my little girl, Scarlett. She's two. We decide to enroll her in uh, swim lessons. We have a great referral for anybody who's got children who wants to learn to swim. And uh, she and I are having the most fun ever. So much fun that I brought this waterproof camera in and filmed our experiences at 120 frames per second that we're going to show. Check this out. We did this over and over and over and over and over again. And she'd get out and she'd run around and jump in and belly flop again. And I mean, we're just laughing because we're like, oh, that must hurt so bad. <laughs> and she's like, again, again, again. I'm like, sure. And uh, so we are both enjoying and exploring areas of our relationship that we never even knew would exist six months ago. She never knew that she would enjoy swimming. I never knew how much fun it would be to swim with a toddler. And so up until this point, the only limit in our relationship or my relationship with Scarlett was the developmental limits of her being two years old. Meaning that I have the capability and the interest to take her motocrossing, surfing, skydiving, like all those things, right? But at two, I mean, she kind of still needs like a nap. She doesn't have like, you know, full control over herself at all times. Her balance is getting better, you know, like. And like, it's, it's my heart's longing to like talk to her about theology and talk to her about like life and death and spirit and Jesus. And right now she just knows Jesus is like the guy with sheep around him in like our Easter book. And she's like, Jesus, you know, and, and it's, it's really cute. But, you know, I, I can't have those conversations about sin and savior and death. And it's like, kinda, like I'm kind of limited, right? And so we're in this amazing place in life where our relationship grows as she grows. I see what's possible with her. I know what's coming, but I'm so content at where we are, and it's based upon where she is at. So the pace of the relational growth is not based upon me. It's not based upon my desire. It's based upon when she's ready. And it makes no sense for me while she was trying to learn to walk for me to get a bicycle and throw her on and like, ride a bike. You know, that, that would actually be really challenging, like setting her up almost for failure. And I wonder sometimes if we think that God is pressuring us into failure. He's going to like pushing us into an, a realm and an area of our relationship with him that we're just not ready for. But when she is ready for things, I gently introduce them to her. Sometimes they're well received and sometimes they're not. But this is what we can take from this, is that God will not force himself upon you in ways that you're not ready for. When I really think about it, if Scarlett came to me like terrified of what I was going to teach her tomorrow, I'd be like, what? But aren't we like almost like we love God, but we don't want to love God too much. 
because then we'll become weird and we'll become, you know, like, you know, that person and, and we'll lose control and we'll, we'll, we'll lose a sense of who we really are if we, like, really love God. I, maybe I was the only person that had those fears. <laughs> and so I was honestly just afraid of what would it really look like if I really loved God that much. If we really give ourselves over to him, we would have an obligation for rapid growth. I think that's what, what terrified me is that if I love him, I'm going to be responsible and accountable and it terrified me. But daddy's God relationship with you is always going to meet you right where you're at. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to remain where you're at. See, I accept where Scarlett is today, but tomorrow I hope for more. I hope for more tomorrow. I don't expect more tomorrow. I accept where she's at today, and I hope for more tomorrow. I don't wake up in the morning like, Scarlett, I expect you to cook breakfast. And sometimes we need to decide what do we feel as, as far as the expectation of God. Is it expectation of obligation, expectation of performance? But I challenge you guys that the, the, the emotion behind the Father's heart towards you is not expectation, it's not obligation, it's hope. Love always hopes. There's no disappointment. There's, there's disappointment in expectation. There's not disappointment in hope. When God looks at you, love always hopes. Since it always hopes, it doesn't get disappointed. No matter where you're at, it always hopes. And as Scarlet grew and became more aware of herself, as she learned to like have balance and like walk and like talk, and she's like getting like her words, and she's aware of me and how fun I am with her, and she's getting aware of all these different things. And so the whole entire journey of our house is crazy. Like we were watching Shark Week this past week. And then we're like chasing each other around like shark, you know, like with like claws and stuff. And it's so fun. And she's aware, she's like she gets it, like, hey, we can play together. And so every new thing that she learns in every new area that she grows, it opens up this new realm. This new realm of experience and fun. We can run, we can play, we can hide and seek. I didn't capture a picture of us hide and seeking. It's really, really funny because she thinks if um, her eyes are closed, you can't see her. It's hilarious. She's like, hide and seek, and she'll go like late in the middle of the floor, like doing this, you know. <laughs> and it's so fun. Uh, one of the things that she's uh, gotten from her daddy is uh, a little adrenaline junkie. And so uh, one of my favorite things to do, this picture would probably get me in trouble, but I think we showed it earlier, is she loves to be thrown through the air. Like I'll stack all these pillows. This is a pretty tame one. This is almost a year ago. This is when she's like, you know, just over one, or maybe just about to turn two. Sorry, just about to turn two, not one. And so, like, he would, like, come into, like, our bedroom, and I'd be, like, 14 feet away, and I'd, like, there's a mountain of pillows and blankets. I'm, like, hucking this toddler across the room. It's crazy. But what's awesome is that every new stage opens up a new realm for our relationship. And I can't wait for what tomorrow has. But that exact thing needs to be the way that you look at your daddy God about you. It's not with obligation. It's not with disappointment. It's actually with hope. It's like, man, I can't wait for what else we get to do. I can't wait for the new adventures we get to have. And I, I'm along with the, for the ride. I don't know what I'm missing with her. 
I wonder if, if, if you look at God and you're disappointing yourself because you know what you're not giving him, I wonder if in the Father's heart, he doesn't even know. He's, he's so content with who you are and where you're at. And that feeling of disappointment is just this cloud that hangs over Christianity. It's this cloud that hangs over at least my heart of like, I could be doing more, but in my heart with Scarlett, like, I never think about what she could be doing more. I'm just satisfied with where she's at. But this revelation has given me a couple of thorns. And they're this, and this is what I'm going to share with you tonight, is that um, it has revealed to me understanding of why I've had lack of interest in Daddy God, and two, why I've had lack of depth in relationship with Daddy God. So the first one is why I have had lack of interest in Daddy God. When it comes to Daddy God, um, very few people have a personal vision for what their relationship with God could look like. We think about careers, like what do you see yourself doing? Like, you know, when we think about ourselves professionally, we think ourselves with like recreation, finances, whatever. The question is like, what do you see yourself doing? We, we're always asked like these questions like a vision of casting what could be. When was the last time someone asked you, what is your vision for your relationship with God of what could be? I've never been asked that in my life. And I've just been okay with what is there. I've been okay with what I've just known. I've been okay with what I see. But here's the problem with that is that you'll have a craving for what you know and what you see. And if what you see and what you know is not that great, your experience isn't going to be that great either. Let me say it to this way. God the Father can easily be reduced down to salvation. But Daddy God is about intimate relationship. Now many people know God as their Savior, but they do not have that daddy-God relationship of fun and intimacy. And if you don't know what that looks like, what that sounds like, what that feels like, how do you know what you're missing out? How do you even know, like, where you are at in context of, like, I never knew that was possible? And because of this, most people don't know what to be hungry for when it comes to God. I remember, like, I'm hungry for you, God. I was like, I, I feel fine, you know? Like, I don't know what hunger is, like, you can't crave what you haven't tasted. You can't crave what you haven't tasted. And so when we say we're hungry for God, and you don't have like a feeling or emotion, like maybe you've actually never been given a taste of what that actually is supposed to be like. And much of my lack of interest in God came from never knowing what I was missing. How do you know you're missing out with Daddy God unless you know someone who's living outrageously, passionately, that says, I don't know what you are doing, but I want some of that. When you find people who live outrageously for Jesus and it causes you a righteous envy to say, like, I'm not jealous, but I, I want that for me. That's such an important area of our relationship with God that we need to have because it, it gives us vision for what could be in our life. We can be okay with, like, okay, I got the fire insurance of life, you know, like, I'll go, to, I'll, I'll go through the right door at the end of the world, right? But beyond that, there's so much more. So how do we crave something that you've never tasted for? It's like, it's shockingly, um, I don't know where we got the idea. We're like, let's give Scarlett like ice cream, like chocolate ice cream. Like she'll love it. And she'll have looked at it. And she's like, mm. We're like, no, you really like this. Mm. You know, she's doing this. We had to like get a spoon, like sneak it in the lips and like, you know, give her a little taste. Like, ah, I know she's all about it then. 
And her favorite thing, she's like, Daddy, I want cake. I want cake. She's all about cake now, you know? And so um, I wonder if there's times, and that was uncomfortable for her. It's dangerous when we find ourselves always comfortable with God. It's because we're always like doing this. No, I'm comfortable, I'm good. And so much of our lives can be customized about remaining comfortable with Jesus. I'm in the box. I'm in the box. Everybody's acting fine. Everybody's sitting down. No one's on the floor. There's no weird stuff going on. And I, and you know what I'm saying, right? There's something about being uncomfortable with God that actually is an opportunity for us to experience more. If you're worried about this is weird, then I would suggest to you that you're trying to contain your relationship to something that you can personally can control. I'm not advocating for people to be weird for weird's sake, but what I am saying is that we find ourselves in situations where I don't know, Jesus, what's going on, but I'm in your presence. I'm okay with it. I'm going to stretch myself. There's situations and places I'll find myself in like, I feel really stretched right now. <laughs> but that's the place in which we find out what is available to us. We find out what is possible with us. What's interesting is about kids is that kids will learn from other kids. They'll learn to develop cravings, interests, and desires that they see in other kids. Um, kids don't know they want a particular princess toy until they see another kid with that toy. Like, I want that, you know? And that's how they are. When we're in Portland, we have this little uh, slide that goes into my family's pool. And I, I try to like, uh, we were here in Sacramento, I, I was like, Scott, we gotta go on this slide. She's like, no slide, no slide. And I, I eventually took her down it, and um, it was tears all the way. It was not a good experience. Um, but I was like, all right, we'll just table that for now. Well, in Portland, she saw this other kid go down this little tiny plastic slide. You know what she did? She like got out, ran over, and she like went down face first down the slide. <laughs> there was something about that when I proposed it, she didn't want it. But when she saw her peer do it, she wanted it. There's a profound truth under there that I don't have specifically articulated for you guys. But I can say that there's something really valuable and really important that we can discount what the Father God, what Daddy God says to us. But sometimes when our own brother and sister does it, it makes sense for us. And to have our eyes open for that. And it's easy to base what's available to us based on what other people are exploring. And if you are in community with people that aren't exploring much with God, I can guarantee you, you aren't going to explore much with God either. Because usually a community will have the same level of hunger. Usually friends, they'll find each other keeping themselves all at the same place because one outlier makes everybody else feel insecure. What I found painfully in this was that I experience a lot more now with Jesus than I ever have in my life. But it's because I never prior asked, Jesus, is there anything more you have for me? Sometimes we're content with Jesus. We're just like, you know, we're okay with where we're at. He says, I call you to the banquet table. Sounds pretty awesome. And, and, and yet we, sometimes we're okay. Well, there's a couple crumbs. There, there's a couple things you know, they're there for us. And, and we're, we're okay with just what gets apportioned to us. But I challenge you that your growth will match your curiosity and exploration. 
If you want to grow, I challenge you to be curious with God. I challenge you to explore things with God. Part of my curiosity of, like, the scriptures has been from really tough questions, really, like, issues that I've been afraid of. That's like, I'm just going to take these things head on. I'm going to find them in the Bible. And that has drawn me deeper into this, this passion for the word. But remember that James 4.8 says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. There's actually a level of growth and intimacy that you control. Remember the order of that? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so maybe we should ask, God, what else do you have for me? You know what, like, right after I typed that on my notes, what I heard is that his response would be, where else am I allowed? Jesus, what else do you have for me? I feel the response is, where else am I allowed? And as you draw near to God, why is it so significant that you draw near to God and then he draws near to you? It feels like, oh, God is being lazy, right? Like, I have to do it all. No. When you draw near to God, it's a declaration that he's allowed in that space. When you draw near to him, it is an invitation for him to participate in that place of your life. Because I really believe that Jesus is not going to force himself into areas that you are not ready nor want. Is that good? So secondly is why I have had limited depth in my relationship with God, with Daddy God in the past. The relationship I have with now, with Scarlett now, is purely based on mutual invitation. The relationship I have with Scarlett right now is based upon mutual invitation. We can think of it as mutual inclusion. What does this mean? It means that she invites me to play with like her little toy kitchen. And she like goes and makes like, you know, hot coffee, you know, for me, and, like brings it to me. She's like, Daddy, it's hot. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll blow on it. She's like, that's better, you know. And, and she's like, and, like, I like, I yuck it up. I'm like, oh, that's good. Make me some more, you know, and like, and we'll do that. So she invites me to this, and then I invite her to go play sharks in the bed, you know, where we like, it's just hilarious. You know, like the um, jaws sound, do, 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 do. She'll like run around the house, like coming to me, like, do, 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 do. Like she's like doing this, running. <laughs> And so we'll, like, play sharks around the house. It's crazy. But there is this mutual ebb and flow that we have together. And the most growth in our relationship was not my willingness, was not my capability, but in this season, it's her desire. The most rapid growth that we've had in our relationship from a father to a daughter has been her desire to have me with her. The other morning, she's like, Daddy, come cuddle. I was like, yep, I'm there. You know, another time, she, she couldn't be bothered by you. Like, Dad, leave me alone. All right. You know? But the most powerful experiences are when, um, for you as a daddy, this is the most powerful experience, is when your own daughter desires you. That's a feeling that just cannot be matched. When your little creature is like, I want you. You're like, it just does something for you. And so the expansion of our relationship deepened as she was capable of new things, but more significantly, as she developed her own desire for new things with Daddy. And some things have faded out. You know, we used to, like, do different things that we, we don't do anymore because they've been replaced, and that's fine. I want to challenge you. How many ways has your relationship with God changed over the past however many years you've known him? If it's not changed, if it looks exactly the same as, you know, five, ten years ago, you might want to check it out. There might be, you might be missing a whole lot of fun stuff. You might be missing what Jesus actually designed for you. But Scarlett now has desires for how we interact with each other. 
She has preferences. She has requests for we, how we interact. She's like, Daddy, wrestle, which means we like go and up to the master bedroom and like I'll throw her on the pillows. We roll around, we jump, we play sharks, we like, you know, do all sorts of things. I'll, I'll lay on my, my back and she'll stand on my, my tummy, we call it surfing. And then she'll like all of a sudden want to jump and land on her bum on my chest and take the wind out of my lungs. It's crazy. But she now, she now has this whole entire list of favorites with me. Right now, it's, it's all about sharks. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be next week. But in relationship, it's natural to have favorites. In intimate relationships, it's natural to have favorite experiences my wife and we love to travel. We, we have favorite restaurants. We have favorite foods. We have favorite things. If you don't have a favorite experience with God in your life, I suggest to you that you aren't sharing any life with God. There should be something about your relationship with God that says that this area with him is, is a little more tender. It's a little more private. It's a little more important to me than this other area. If it's all the same, if it's reduced to just an attendance deal or, or whatever it is, if you don't actually have tender areas that actually light your heart more, I challenge you that you're not opening much of your life to be shared with Jesus. Again, Jesus, what is available for me? Where am I allowed? And so with Scarlett, here's the hard thing, is that I see all the things I want for her that I'm ready to do with her, right? I'm ready to take her on roller coasters in Disneyland. She's like, 32 pounds and this tall. I can't. And so I'm still up against some limitations with her. Here's the difference with you and Jesus and Daddy God. Colossians 2.10 says, we have been given fullness in Christ. The scripture says, you lack nothing. Do you know you are utterly and fully complete with everything available to you in Jesus? Everything that you want to experience with God, you actually already have. That doesn't mean that you don't have to learn it, because we do. Like, we have to learn what we have. You know, Scarlett was born with hands and feet and toes and eyes, and, and, and she gets to learn how to use them, right? She gets to learn how to use utensils. So you've been given everything, but now you get to learn how to use it. Because Christ, when he looks at you, he doesn't see you as a work in progress. He says, you're the finishing work of Christ. He looks at you as a completed work. And so sometimes we, we, we look at our relationship with God and we think about all things we don't have. And the scripture is so awesome because it says, even if you find yourself lacking anything, ask and it shall be given to you. It's like, even if you can come up with an idea, I'll prove to you, I will not leave you incomplete. I will not leave you deficient for anything that you want in Christ. And so because we never ask what's available for us, we don't even ask. And so many people don't dream with God because they don't know they already can. You don't need to learn how to dream with God. You just need to, like, dream with God. It's available for you. Just try it. You don't, so many people don't speak with God. They don't commune with God. They don't, like, interact because they don't know they can. So many people don't utilize the authority they've been given because they don't know that they can. Philippians 4.13 How's it start? I can. It's not, I might be able to do all things through Christ. Possibly could do all things through Christ. No, I can do all things in Christ. And so the problem is that we lack desire, not capability. We actually have capability. And so a shallow relationship with God is one that has zero desire 
for those aspects with God. Let me say that again. If you feel that your relationship with God is a bit shallow, doesn't have depth, I think it's an indicator of lack of desire than anything else. Show me an area lacking in your relationship with God, and I'll show you a lack of desire on your part. At least for me, that's always been the case. I was like, oh, I want this. Well, have I really desired it? Have I, do, I, do I really want it? Not really. Because I'd be different. That would require effort. That would require me to get up early in the morning. Or whatever it is. But there's nothing you cannot have in a relationship with God as long as you desire it and are available to participate in it. There's nothing that Scarlett could come and ask me to go do that I wouldn't say, yeah, let's go do it. Nothing. The only thing that's absent is her desire and her ability to articulate it to me. She could say, could we go um, throw rocks at windows? I'd be like, yes, we can. And we go. <laughs> but I'm not, I mean, I, I'm, I'm responding to what she's given me. Asking you shall receive. Not, I will tell you all the things you should ask for, and then you should ask him. No, I'm, I'm actually paralleling with her in her growth. And I want to end with this, is that I wonder how many ways we have limited our growth because we're expecting God to push us and exert himself upon us. And he's like, I don't do that. A daddy God waits for you. A daddy God waits for you to desire. A daddy God waits for you to invite. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Because love always hopes. God always hopes for what's available with you, together with you. He's not expecting nor demanding growth. He's simply hoping for you. And so maybe um, I just want to leave you with this, is that my aim for you is that you would believe that you've been given fullness and total capability for everything in Christ tonight. There's nothing else you leave here tonight is to know that I'm actually fully functional, fully capable, fully equipped for everything that you would desire in your relationship with God. The only thing that doesn't come in that is the desire. The second is that you become curious for what's available. There's a curiosity that when we say we're hungry for God, I want us to like think of curious for God. God, I want to know more about that. I want to more, know more about what your presence is and how it responds to me. And to begin to ask yourself, ask questions about what is available to you. And finally, is that you begin to have a new, renewed desire and interest for yourself. Don't get me wrong. God is holy, should be worshipped, should be recognized for who he is, for sure. But I think there needs to be a little bit more concern that, that maybe how we're reserved. We're, we're too busy worshiping God, and God, you're so great that we don't actually give ourselves to, to participate with him. That we're so, it's almost like, um, you ever meet someone famous? You're like, uh, uh, you're, remember that, that time you scored that three-pointer, you know? Like, sometimes I wonder if in our Christian faith, we're, we're, we're trying to be so reverent and awestruck that we don't actually participate with him. And God is like, I, I get it, but let's go have fun. Let's go, like, live relationship together. Anyways, I love you guys.